A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone, pod bless and welcome to another episode of Other People's Podcast, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Today's special guest is Danny Danko, host of High Times Podcast, Free Weed. Along with being host of Free Weed, Danny is also the senior cultivation editor at High Times Magazine. In this interview, we sit down with Danny as he shares stories about his first time getting high, how he became senior cultivation editor at High Times, his podcaster's picks, and of course, we talk about his dope show, Free Weed. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Danny Danko. Danny, what's up, man? How's it going? Dude, I can't complain one bit. Life is good, dog. (laughs) Running around New York City life. We're hanging out with Danny Danko, man, of High Times, with the podcast, Free Weed. That's right. Man, you're the coolest job ever. (laughs) Yeah, if you have to have a job, it's actually like a, a pretty good one. I, I'd, say, I'd say so. <laughs> are, are you a New York native? Uh, no, I grew up in Boston. Uh, I was born in Russia, actually, in the Soviet Union at the time. Uh, family moved over here when I was pretty young, uh, about three years old. And we lived in lived all over, actually, first in New York, then Houston, Texas, then Boston's really where I say I grew up because age 11 to about 21 that's, you know, your formative years I spent uh, in Boston and then moved here to New York. And I've been here 20 plus years now. All right. And then uh, how'd you end up being uh, at High Times? <laughs> it's a long story, but I was, uh, you know, I was always into weed and, and growing it and having really high quality access to high quality cannabis. You know, I had to get a job at one point and I got a job at Headcase, which was a hemp clothing manufacturer. We made baseball hats. So this was like, you know, in the mid mid to late 90s, I'd say like 97 around that time. And I started working for them basically just because I needed a job just to tell people what I do. Because in New York, you know how it goes. Like anytime you meet anyone, they want to know what you do. Yep. Can't really tell people that you're growing weed. So you had to come up with something uh, that you do. So, you know, I became the shipping manager over there and I just helped them out. And it was like a cover gig. Right. And, but there's only two companies on the East Coast at the time that were cannabis companies, High Times and Headcase. So we got to know the people at High Times. We were advertisers. We were friends. You know, they liked the cannabis that I had, I would imagine, at the time. And, uh, you know, I started playing for the softball team. And then I started filling in, you know, breaking down boxes and answering the phone and things like that. And just little by little, kind of got my foot in the door and, I was a reader before I had ever worked there. So I was always interested in the culture. And I was, you know, like I said, I was a grower. I was a, a lifelong cannabis user pretty much from the moment I, I first tried it. It was kind of like the only job that existed in cannabis that was legal and legit. So, you know, I worked hard and paid dues. But, you know, little by little, I didn't really have a plan. I just kind of, you know, just 
a, a position opened up and I took it and then another position opened up and, you know, I, I took it and learned everything about the magazine business and the media business along the way. Uh, what was the weed culture like back when you first moved to New York? <laughs> well, when I first moved here, I guess around 94, 95, this was like before Giuliani. And so it was wild. I mean, you could go to a weed spot. There was weed spots everywhere. There was like, I mean, I just remember on like St. Mark's place, you know, there was like juice bars with Rastas just selling weed out of like paper bags. You know, everybody had their bodega where they would go. And then, you know, a year or two later, Giuliani took over. They cracked down a lot on, you know, drinking in public and and smoking and, and you know, started handing out tickets and bench warrants. So that created the delivery services and that really fueled that craze in like the 90s of the sour diesel and, you know, the kind, but it, it kind of switched over from like a Grateful Dead kind of culture to, you know, the city and like people here make money. They want to buy the, you know, fa- fanciest things and they want to yeah. show off and they want, you know, so they're willing to pay top dollar. So if I was growing at the time or a friend of mine might have been growing at the time, you know, you could get top dollar for stuff that you were growing in the city that was, you know, being sold by these delivery services for 50 bucks for two grams delivered, which really adds up to like an $800 ounce. You know, it wasn't outrageous to charge six to $8,000 at that time for pounds of weed, you know, if they were that quality. I mean, it had to be that quality, but prices have obviously dropped a lot since then. But there were people on Wall Street paying 250 bucks for a quarter ounce that's a thousand dollar ounce you know which is crazy to think about with the advent of kind bud you know that became a thing that was the first thing that i noticed when i came to new york was that uh i was staying with a friend who lived in tribeca and i'm from virginia Mm -hmm. so they definitely were not like weed delivery services (laughs) at all like you there was just some kid in college who like sold you Mm-hmm. You know, sold you a gram or an eighth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I came up here and they brought like the briefcase. <laughs> it was the briefcase and they had like multiple flavors. I was right. like, this is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that model still exists to this day here. And, you know, a lot of the dispensaries and, and delivery services uh, out West have adopted the same kind of style. Can you tell me the story of your first time getting high? <laughs> I can. <laughs> Yeah, I got. I actually the first time I got high was out of a snowbank. I was in uh, in Massachusetts. I was away uh, at boarding school actually, but this was like junior. This was like seventh grade, eighth grade, seventh grade boarding school, and I had a deadhead friend. And uh, f- from the minute I even heard about weed, like I wanted to try it, and you know, so this is pretty young, I guess, like twelve or thirteen, but I wanted to try it. I remember Bob Marley, and you know, just being intrigued and and curious and uh he obviously had some weed and he he dug a a, like he used a stick to basically dig a hole into a snowbank and then he made a bowl out of the top and the two holes met put the weed in the top lit it we i guess this is because we didn't have papers or, or a bowl or anything and it was a we were also you know you can't have paraphernalia when you're at the like a boarding school so it's an easy way to just hit and run I had never seen it, never knew anything about it. But you put your mouth on the snowbank, light the weed, and take a hit. And we did that. I don't remember getting really super high that time. It was only the next time that I smoked that I really got, uh, I really felt it. And that was also with the same person, but uh, 
a different day at a, at, a, at his brother's house. So, and I remember that I, that time I was really high. What's that story? <laughs> well, we were at his uh, his older brother's house, and he instead of us smoking a bowl, he basically lit a joint for each of us. So one for his little brother, one for me, and one for himself. Put on some you know freaky. Grateful Dead, you know, mixtape or whatever they call it, you know, the live show. Uh, he had the tapestries on the wall and all of that. And uh, we each smoked our own joint. And that time I was so high. I mean, I just remember, I remember looking at his cat and like, I felt like the cat was talking to me and I was just really, really high. And, but I also remember thinking, I like this a lot. Like, I like this feeling. Uh, I'm not out of control, not like I'm super drunk or anything messed up. Like, this is nice. It feels good. This music sounds good. Like, it was an enhancement, and it still is, you know. And if it ever wasn't, I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm hooked on smoking weed. I enjoy how weed makes me feel. And I did it then, and I do it now. And if it didn't make me feel good, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and if it had any of the side effects of any of those crazy drugs you hear on television or that the doctor can prescribe any of those side effects, I wouldn't do it either. You know, so uh, to me, it's the, you know, the perfect medicine and the perfect, you know, enhancement for whatever it is you might be interested in. And, but again, maybe it's not for everybody either. You know, it's not obviously, but for the people that it is, it should be. You can puff or pass. It should be free. Yeah, puff or pass. <laughs> you know, but you should, you should have the option. There's a lot more people out there that could benefit from it. Yeah, how did you tell your mom and your, your dad, like, you know, so? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. now the culture is a lot different than what it was back then. Yeah, how was that conversation? Yeah, and especially with, you know, parents, you know, who came from the Soviet Union, they were taught marijuana and heroin are basically the same. So they weren't happy about it early on. They didn't, they weren't happy that I was a smoker they weren't happy when they found the triple beam scale in their house and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, at this point, you know, I don't know if they're like super proud about it or anything, but they see that I made a career out of it. They see that I've written books and appeared, you know, in front of lots of people and, you know, and, and they live in Massachusetts, which is a, a legal state. They voted for it to be legal. Definitely their attitude has changed over time. My stepdad has arthritis. He uses CBD creams that I bring to him and they've had their experiences with edibles and, and smoking as well, like little, <laughs> little things here and there, but their attitudes have changed a lot just to see, you know, the industry that's being created, the jobs that are being created, um, you know, the taxes that are being taken in by the state. Mm -hmm. The world didn't fall apart when Colorado legalized or when Washington legalized. And the world got better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and California. I mean, they know the writings on the wall and, and they see the truth. What was a pivotal point you think that things started to shift in mindset as, as far as marijuana? I think a lot of pop culture stuff. I mean, The Chronic, that Dr. Dre record was a, a pivotal moment. You're seeing this on MTV, pretty much fully mainstream, you know, the pot leaf hats and, and a lot of references to smoking and really on a very mainstream, you know, million copy selling kind of records and stuff. I mean, I think that played a role. I think, you know, obviously the activism that people have been doing for years 
the silliness of the anti-marijuana drug propaganda and like the arguments of the government just so see-through. And I think the rise of the internet, look, from my perspective, I'm on the cultivation side. I've always just been encouraging people to grow, grow, grow. And, you know, I always believed you could overgrow the government. It didn't even have to be if everybody just grew weed, it would it would be game over. And you'd be able to know the quality of it. You'd be able to know if there was pesticides and what strain it is and, and whether it was fed organically or overfed or overwatered, everything. You know everything. And that's the way that, you know, you don't have to buy government weed. I was thinking about the, the rise of the internet, you know, yeah. and how important that is. Because oh, huge. I, I kind of looked at marijuana the way you looked at porn like it was like <laughs> that like high time was like the, the, the nudie magazine like playboy right. and then now once the internet came you had this access right like that little black book that was in the magazine stand is now yeah everyone can it, see it, it, and learn about it's access to information but it's also access to genetics i mean people were sharing clones and mailing seeds back and forth from place to place you know that's nothing you can stop you know once once the information and the material is out there in the world and people want it, it's unstoppable, you know? So the internet played a huge role in spreading information, but also just putting people together. Someone in California and someone in Ohio and they make friends and they make an agreement to share whatever they might have. And that spreads the plant and the strains. And so now suddenly somebody in Ohio is growing something from Humboldt County and just blowing people's minds locally and changing people's minds with just the quality of, of what they have there. You know, everyone's afraid of the corporatization of, of, of marijuana and all of that. But I just think we hold the reins to our future as long as we maintain our right to produce our own, you know. Who would you want to smoke with? Uh, I mean, Willie Nelson's always been, you know, like on the list of people I'd love to blaze with. God, it's a good question. I mean... A lot of the people I would I've wanted to smoke with, I've gotten to smoke with in in, in some instances. Uh, who was the person that you uh, were most excited to smoke with? Uh, I mean, definitely be real from Cypress Hill. Oh just wow! Because uh, they played a definitely played a role in in you know spreading the word about cannabis and uh, you know Damian Marley. I would say for sure a lot of uh, okay, that's pretty big. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of artists uh, out there, but also like people like Dr. Lester Grinspoon, people who who have been part of the fight, um, Jack Herrer, of course. Um, you know, people who who've uh, my predecessors in the uh, you know the activism world, because even though though things are going legal, there's still a lot of injustice going on with marijuana all over the world, and even even here in New York City, blatantly. The policies are just ridiculous. So the people who, you know, really uh, added to the fight, you know, and, and and were warriors in that fight are for sure my heroes. First of all, I was going through some of your older episodes. You've been doing this since 2011. Yeah. So yeah. how did the whole idea of doing a podcast <laughs> even come about? Like this is discovering. Right. <laughs> it wasn't the first, uh, you know, weed podcast and it was certainly not the first podcast. I was listening to podcasts at the time and thinking like, you know, this is an amazing new platform where anybody can listen to on their phone. I'm doing it. So I know other people are interested. I was listening, you know, to Mark Maron and, and you know, Joe Rogan and what the stuff that was out there. And, and you know, there was pot stuff out there, too. There was the, um, the John Doe radio show and, and Radical Russ Belleville. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So there was a lot of news stuff out there going on and a lot of coverage, but not a lot of cultivation. And I kind of wanted to bring like what we do in the magazine to people uh, and make it free, you know, as a download and, and then, you know, let the advertisers foot the bill basically for the fact that it's free, but they're reaching these beginner growers right. um, who are interested in, in creating their own cannabis, which is a very targeted market if you're selling seeds or grow boxes and tents and things like that. So and not that I really thought it through all that much. I just wanted to start a show and put it out there. And, you know, I thought the idea of free weed from Danny Danko was funny because people call it free weed with Danny Danko, but it's really free weed from uh, because I'm cha- I'm teaching you how to grow free weed. And the whole free weed concept, the stickers and everything was a way to sort of draw people in like, oh, free weed. And then suddenly they're like, oh, wait, now I have to grow it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was part political. I, I do think growing is a political act. I think anytime you're producing something out of thin air, you know, basically just water, light, you know, nutrients, um, soil, but you're creating a commodity, something other people are paying, you know, like I said, $50 for two grams, but you're creating it out of thin air. I think it's a form of alchemy, modern day alchemy, where you can create this magical thing out of a few other things. And at the same time, you're taking out all the dealers from 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 that equation. You know, there's no cartel involved. There's no nothing involved. It's just you and some seeds and some lights and some soil. So it is a political act. And the more you grow, the more, you know, there is in the world, the cheaper it gets. And therefore, you know, it's like free weed. Cause I always felt like it's way overpriced, obviously. Um, and all that price is in the risk. And, you know, the less, the less risk, the price should go down and everybody should be able to just grow and share and really enjoy in this thing and make it less of a commodity and more of a, you know, a herb or a vegetable. Let's explain to the listeners, like what's like the format uh, typically of the show as far as like time-wise, you have like a time limit, is it more free-flowing or? We try to do 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, You know, we start with a little bit of news. Uh, We go into our interview, which is typically, you know, someone that's a seed breeder or a grower on a large scale or someone who's a, a known person in the, the cannabis world or, or, you know, we've had Tommy Chong and Jorge Cervantes and all kinds of people, currency. We've had people from, you know, the entertainment world, uh, hip hop and reggae and comedy. Um, So we do a little bit of everything, but obviously, you know, the focus is on uh, cannabis and growing marijuana. Um, So after the interview, we do our grow Q&A, which is like uh, questions from, from listeners on grow for the most part. And then uh strain of the fortnight is like a strain <laughs> strain report that we do. And, and then we have a grow section where I, I highlight a particular thing, like let's say cloning or germination and do like a deeper dive, maybe 10 minutes just on that. 
And then we, you know, we wrap it up at the end with wrap it up with raw papers and, <laughs> and, you know, that's the show. And that's basically the format. Uh, sometimes we do live episodes where we record a panel at a cannabis cup. So there'll be four or five people on a panel and that'll be a live episode. So that episode, that format's a little bit different. Okay. Uh, but you know, we still do the intro and the outro, but it's not quite the same, but I think we pack a ton of information into those because you're getting four or five different opinions because there's not just one way to grow. There's so many different ways and you really got to figure out the one for you. You know, I have my metaphor for life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there's hydro and there's soil and there's organic and there's veganic and, you know, there's a lot, a lot of choices and options, but no one perfect way. I mean, it's really what's best for you and how you want to do it. And, and if it works, it works. I love uh, the puff, puff and pass segment. Oh, puff, puff, pass. The okay. puff, puff, pass segment is awesome. Explain that. To, explain it to the audience. Yeah. Well, my co-host Mike, uh, who's also now he's the editor in chief of the the magazine as well. He basically like comes up, you know, comes up with a concept, and I say puff or pass on the concept. So uh, it's kind of like a yay or a nay. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, so <laughs> it's a you know it's a time when I can get a little more opinionated um, about my personal preferences um, as far as you know connoisseurship and cannabis goes yeah how were you able to grow uh grow your audience uh well you know that's kind of why we went on hiatus is because we were growing an audience but we weren't able to put out episodes consistently Mm. and i think the key to podcasting is consistency i didn't want to put it you know relaunch the episodes um, and start doing new ones unless i knew that we had the commitment to be able to do weekly episodes so we're gonna do go we're we're gonna launch and then be weekly and they may be slightly shorter 35 to 45 minutes but they're gonna come out every week and that's really i think how you build an audience i mean we were able to build an audience we did giveaways we had advertising you know we had a good we i mean i feel like we still have a good core audience and listenership um but if you really want to build on it and you really want people to come back i think it's got to be consistent and so um that's that's where we're coming back strong and consistent. Because yeah, uh, how are you recording your episodes? You know, in the past, it's also like the, <laughs> the the primitive days of podcasting, two thousand eleven. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, we did we've done it all from you know recording with a lot of background noise and and all of that to you know having a little bit better equipment and you know we've I've recorded interviews on the fly at events where it's just a little bit noisy, but. Uh, you know, sometimes that's the only time you can get somebody yeah. uh, to talk and, you know, uh, but I think the content is the most important thing, as long as people can hear decent information. And I think we, you know, we built an audience too, just by being ourselves, not being afraid to joke around and 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 enjoy things and not have, not being too serious. You know, we've got uh, some like weird little comedy segments in there at times that just kind of liven it up and show a little bit of your, of your personality, you know. One of the new episodes coming out. We are launching on Thursday, May 24th, and we'll be launching episode one. And uh, I mean, well, it actually, it'll be episode 89. Um, the first. Of yeah, the, you guys are deep <laughs> in the game. The first of our relaunches, relaunches, and we're going to be putting up all the old episodes as well uh, on a brand new feed. And yeah, we're, we're excited just to, Start putting those out on a weekly basis. All your guests are special on the show. Every guest that I interview is special to me. But was there one particular interview that stood out to you as being an amazing experience or a great interview that our listeners should check out? 
Yeah, I would say from the activism world, Dr. Lester Grinspoon, he's in his 80s. He's really the one of the pioneers of medical marijuana and of reconsidering the laws against marijuana. So he it was an honor to interview him and and he's really one of my heroes. Uh and then from like the grower side, I think DJ Short, he was always um fairly elusive, kind of an underground person uh who not a lot of people had met or spoken to. Uh, and we got one of the first above ground interviews with him uh, talking about the blueberry strain that he created and invented and and a bunch of other stuff. And so that was kind of a, a good get, you know, as far as in the grower yeah, know, yeah, yeah. pot nerd community. <laughs> <laughs> I end every single episode with uh, a segment uh, where I asked our guests to name their top three podcasts that they're listening to right now that we should check out. So what are three podcasts? that you're really into that we should check out? Well, I love uh, Mark Maron. He's amazing. He's the Seinfeld of podcasting. (laughs) I just think he gets really uh, great interviews. I think for whatever reason, you know, people tell him things they wouldn't necessarily tell other people. And, 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 you know, I think he's also just, you know, he's just good at getting information out of people. And he's been doing it for a long time. And there's some incredible interviews, but that's not really pot related, I guess. It doesn't have to be. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're a well-rounded uh, well, guy. From a pot-related perspective, my friends uh, David Bienenstock and Abdullah Saeed from Bong Appetit and Vice, uh, they just recently launched Great Moments in Weed History. Oh, uh, that sounds is, great. Yeah, which is a really good one. They focus each episode on like one particular thing and kind of do a deep dive on uh, a particular moment of something that happened. Uh, in marijuana history and it's and it runs the gamut it's very interesting and very informative as well uh, so that one i love uh from a weed perspective and then uh wow a third one uh you're allowed to I, you know i i really love the combat jack show rest in, rest peace. in peace yeah rest in peace to Reggie combat Ose, jack man. Rest, Reggie rest in peace. i had the honor of being a guest on the show with uh, sean price also rest in peace huge wow so, yeah i was on an episode of the show uh, myself and Sean, and uh, that's a podcast that no longer exists. But I think that's got to be my uh, my number three uh, wow. because the episodes are still up there, and you can go back and look at them and listen to them. And uh, there's just an incredible amount of of knowledge of hip hop history, and and I think he did a great job of interviewing people and of highlighting um, the culture. And it was like I said, it was an honor to be on that show. And honor to to know him and and listen to him. So, I say Combat Jack show, great moments in weed history, and WTF. Wow, <laughs> I mind. Yeah, well, that's a great moment, man. Jeez, Sean Price <laughs> and Reggie Ose. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, at the time, you know, I was excited. Like, hey, I'm going to be on this podcast and this and that. I just I don't think I realized the magnitude of like what that was at the that moment. And now, like looking back, and I I. I I really do appreciate having that opportunity. And like, you know, we went at like the middle of the night in Dumbo into like this crazy space where, you know, we were smoking on the balcony and <laughs> I, it was, it was an interesting and amazing evening. And, and if you listen to the episode, you can hear, I got those guys lit up. <laughs> like they are absolutely smacked in that episode. I brought the fire. <laughs> I bet you did. And, uh, and we had a good time. We talked a lot about, you know, uh, marijuana and hip hop and, and, you know, just 
a lot of different things. <laughs> I'd have to go back and listen to it again. But uh, yeah, it was an honor to be on that. And uh, lastly, Danny, what inspires you to podcast? Getting the information out there. Uh, we have a lot of stuff on our website about growing. We have a lot of, obviously, a lot of stuff in the magazine. And I just viewed it as another platform for people because I listened to podcasts. I said, there's got to be people who are interested in cannabis and want to listen to podcasts. And you'd be amazed how many people are like, oh man, we listen to it when we're trimming, or I listen to it on my headphones in my grow room. And it's just, it's very inspirational to hear like those kind of stories from people. And it was really sad when we had to go on hiatus. Um, but I just didn't feel, you know, that we were, we were taking it to that next level. And I think now we're ready to do that. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited too, bro. Right on. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody, please check out free weed all day, every day. You're the man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Corey. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Danny Danko. Please be sure to check out his show, Free Weed, and I'll provide you the links in the description of this episode. This episode was co-produced by Daniel Hogarty, mixed by Mark Bird, music provided to you by Richie Quake, and I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Pod bless. Till next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 